Hello, and welcome to the Space Weather Facts and Forecast podcast. I'm Isaac Brigham, amateur space weather enthusiast, and I'll be giving you the current space weather conditions, a forecast for the upcoming week, and telling you all about a fascinating space weather phenomenon. Stay tuned. Space weather lately has been really picking up. There is currently a total of eight numbered active regions on the Earth-facing disk, and at least three of them could pose a threat for flares. Region 3157 is the only flare threat currently facing Earth well, and while it could certainly produce C or low M-class flares, I don't expect anything really major, high M or X, from it. Region 3153 has a similar story. I think low M flares would be about the most it's capable of. Plus, it's already rotated through the Earth's strike zone and is not facing us so well now. The third flare threat, though, Region 3163, has just appeared over the east limb and has yet to face Earth. It looks to be the most active region on the disk at the moment, keeping the X-ray background mostly into the C range, with some high-level C pops at intervals. This is the region I'm watching the closest, as there may even be a very small magnetic delta present, which would mean a heightened flare chance. However, it is still close to the limb, which can distort our view of it, and so it's hard to say for sure that the delta is truly present. Even without a delta, though, the region should still be capable of at least low-level M flares. We'll know better as it turns more into view. As to coronal mass ejections, there have been plenty in the last few days, but it's been a bit hard to tell if any are Earth-directed. There have been a couple in particular, though. One launched on December 8th and the other on the 9th that could possibly give us a glancing blow. It's hard to say for sure, but CME impacts are definitely possible starting tonight and going through the weekend. I'd say that if we are impacted, a KP-5 would not be unlikely, with a very slight chance of escalating to a 6. The current geomagnetic conditions are fairly quiet. We're at a KP-2, and the solar wind data is low to slightly elevated. This, combined with a north BZ, is making for a low hemispheric power of 21 gigawatts in the north and 19 in the south. As to the forecast, I expect more quiet conditions, except for the potential CME impacts I mentioned, which could bump us up to a KP-5 or maybe a 6 on the weekend. And of course, there's always the potential that one of the solar flare players will send us a new CME, but we'll just have to wait and see. So to Aurora Chasers, keep checking the data. Not much is going on now, but if a CME hits, we could see shows even down to mid-latitudes. Thanks for listening to the forecast. Now it's time to talk about this week's featured space weather phenomena. In this podcast, I'll be answering the question, are there auroras on other planets? And as it turns out, the answer is yes, on most. Let me explain. First of all, we need to understand the basics of how auroras on Earth are formed. They originate from the particles making up the solar wind interacting with our atmosphere. As well, our magnetic field plays a key role in concentrating and guiding those particles into the atmosphere, but only near the poles, which is why the aurora is only usually found surrounding the poles. So, if another planet has both an atmosphere and a magnetic field, it would be reasonable to assume auroras are likely to form, originating from the solar wind in a similar manner to on Earth. 
things can be a lot more complicated, though. Some planets don't have atmospheres. Some don't even have a magnetic field. Scientists think that planetary magnetic fields are generated by the churning of electrically charged molten material in the outer core, which not all planets have. Specifically, Mars and Venus don't have magnetic fields, and Mercury only has a weak one. Yet auroras are still able to occur on these planets. I'll explain each planet in turn. First, Mercury, which has no atmosphere and little magnetic field, produces a special type of aurora, not visible to the naked eye, originating in rocks. When the solar wind particles near the planet, there's nothing to hinder them, and so they collide with the surface of the planet. The atoms of the rocks that they collide with are excited with extra energy and emit X-rays, which, using a spectrometer, can be seen as aurora. On Venus, there's no magnetic field to guide and concentrate the solar wind, and so the sparse, spread-out particles collide with the thick atmosphere, resulting in a dim, likely visible only from space aurora. On Mars, the aurora originates from patchy magnetism. Mars has no planetary magnetic field, though scientists think it used to have one, and then the molten outer core causing it shut down and hardened. However, after the magnetic field disappeared, some patches or strands, if you will, of magnetism remained. These strands are enough to guide solar wind particles into the atmosphere, creating aurora, and the displays are not limited to the poles, since the pieces of magnetic field are not necessarily at the poles. Instead, long, thin bands of aurora form, often snaking around Mars all the way from the poles to the equator. Jupiter has an atmosphere, and it has the strongest magnetic field of any planet in our solar system. Even though it's a gas planet, its core is made of metal and rock. And so Jupiter is home to some of the strongest and most spectacular auroras that we know of, except most of the light of Jupiter's auroras is emitted outside the visible spectrum, mainly infrared, and so would not be visible to the naked eye. Only specialized instruments can pick the radiation up. The aurora situation is similar on Saturn. It has an atmosphere and a magnetic field much stronger than Earth's, generating powerful auroras, yet most of the light is emitted in infrared. On Uranus, things can get complicated. Uranus' geographic poles are almost aligned with the sun, with one pointing towards and one pointing away, and this leads to the fact that Uranus rotates on its side. In addition, contrary to most other planets, Uranus' magnetic poles are not aligned with its geographic poles. They're around 60 degrees apart. So the aurora forms not around the geographic poles, but in surprising places on the planet. This would be like if on Earth, the aurora was centered around Houston, Texas, or in Morocco. For Uranus, this also means that the aurora will not necessarily form on the night side of the planet. On Neptune, things work similar to on Earth or on Jupiter. Its magnetic field is aligned with its geographic poles, and aurora forms in ovals around the poles. One difference, though, is that Neptune's rings prevent a lot of solar wind plasma from reaching the planet, leading to dimmer aurora. And finally, auroras on Pluto are the least understood, as it is so far out and difficult to study. And while Pluto does have a thin atmosphere and some amount of magnetic field, 
which would make auroras seem likely. The solar wind is so sparse by the time it reaches Pluto that if any auroras occur, they would likely be unnoticeable. So, while most planets have auroras, they can occur in many different ways, from different factors, and not all would be visible to the naked eye. There's still much research to be done, though, to better understand aurora mechanics on every planet. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe and share it. This podcast will be available on the second Saturday of every month on major podcast platforms. See you next time.